Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor-recommended dose of MD innovation. This is Dr. Greg Goodman on The Modern MD. Really excited. This is episode number 39. I've got Dr. Arsha Babzadeh, who's the director of digital health at BrainPower, a company that builds neuroscience-based software and hardware to transform current wearable computers into neuroassistive and educational devices for autism. He's the innovation officer of Massachusetts General Hospital Psychiatry Academy and chairman of the Council on Communication of the American Psychiatric Association. He's widely published in clinical neuroscience, digital health, and medical communications. Arsha, an honor to have you on The Modern MD. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Gregory. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you personally and your journey as a physician entrepreneur. Great, more than happy to. My journey has been long and uh, winding, to say the to say the least. Finishing medical school at the University of Birmingham in England, I actually trained for five years as a family physician. So training really across the whole breadth of medicine. I must have spent at least a year just doing surgery alone, and then completing lots of other specialties such as pediatrics, for example obstetrics and gynecology, so going through the whole breadth of medicine. But what I really saw was tremendous demand and need in mental health. And a lot of my patients in multiple different disciplines were coming up to me and having really severe mental and behavioral problems that were not very well addressed by the system. And that actually led me to work work in mental health and study mental health in England for about a year and a half after I finished my family medicine residency under the Royal College of General Practitioners. And it was really there that my passion was further sparked into thinking about how can we really help this extraordinarily large group of people who are really underserved. And it was following that that I actually decided to come to the States, come to the United States, and become an academic psychiatrist. So I trained in general psychiatry at Emory University, and I I trained in child and adolescent psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital and uh, Harvard Medical School. And that took five years. But during that time, I had some enormous insights, both in terms of research. You know, you you mentioned I published a great deal in terms of papers and book chapters in lots of different fields of um, clinical neuroscience and, you know, conducting research, publishing uh, winning lots of different types of awards and having lots of different opportunities, but more importantly, working with really diverse communities, whether it's disadvantaged communities in the center of Boston or in Atlanta, to working with our veterans who've sustained traumatic brain injuries, post-traumatic stress, who are suffering from really severe mental health conditions or substance use problems, uh, all the way through to working with children with severe disabilities, children with autism, adults with autism, for the real whole breadth of mental health, getting that experience. Towards the end of my training at Massachusetts General Hospital, I started to look at 
you know, what, how, how was I going to kind of impact change going forward in the field? And the demands were tremendous. And I was looking back at my research and I was thinking, you know what, there, there should be an opportunity to bring in innovation, to bring in something that's much more scalable and impactful. I had started playing with lots of different technological devices at that point. And it's that point that I actually met uh, Dr. Ned Sahin, a neuroscientist that was working at BrainPower. He founded BrainPower. And we actually really kind of hit it off in terms of our thinking towards scalable technological solutions to address uh, people's educational behavioral needs. And that's when I started on this journey with BrainPower in the middle of the end of my kind of fellowship and really started getting into the startup space, started thinking very differently, started going to a lot of innovative conferences like Exponential Medicine, for example. And it's really at that point that a lot of the ways of my kind of classical academic thinking and training started to fuse with this entrepreneurial startup space, which is just so very different. So it's that fusion that's been so very helpful. What an incredible career so far and incredible that you trained as a family medicine physician and then you know, came over to the States, you know, boarded in both adult and child psychiatry. You know, absolutely incredible you know, the, the work that you've done. And, you know, I think it's, it's that passion that, that drives us as physician entrepreneurs to really, you know, look at, you know, our work, you know, patient to patient and think about how we can scale change and really impact the most people. Really incredible. So I want to, you know, launch off into our success quote. Do you have a quote that's important to you or, or something that you live by? Yes, I do. I think that I will, I'll quote Seneca who said, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And that really strikes me because, firstly, you always need to prepare for a whole range of different, different situations, but also opportunity. You have to be able to see it or find it. And I think that it's very challenging to get to luck if you don't explore the opportunities that are around you or are trying to seek them on a consistent basis. I really love that. For all those listeners looking that are in the medical space, I think the time is ripe. It's such an exciting field. Look around. A really incredible quote. So I want to shift into our white coat to business suit. I know you shared a little bit about how you went you know, from the clinical world or the academic world you know, into the entrepreneurial space, but can you share you know, a little bit more about your transition and you know, some of your work now that you're doing in the innovative entrepreneurial space? Absolutely, absolutely. So I still have a white coat and a set of scrubs because I still do quite a lot of clinical work, and that's very much frontline clinical work. I work in a psychiatric emergency room, also in a maximum security jail, working with the most kind of disadvantaged and severely mentally ill. So I do that almost as a full-time, what normal, normally people will consider a full-time job. But on top of that, I work as a director of brain power. So what we are really doing there is creating technological solutions to help address you know, the educational needs, the social, cognitive, skill set building needs of children and adults with autism. And we're doing that by creating a unique system that incorporate hardware and software to transform digital, to transform smart glasses into these kind of neuro-assistive educational device. It's almost like an educational classroom 
that somebody can kind of uh, put on their head and get this augmented reality experience through our range of apps that helps them to to be heads up, hands-free, and connect with the family around them, learn these skills in the privacy of their own home and on demand. And these all features that the current system, whether we think about educational system, healthcare, social system, doesn't really provide because these systems are not kind of merged together and there's huge cracks in the way. And really, my journey working with brain power has helped me to understand some very core principles. The ability for us to very rapidly change an idea, a technology, a strategy, sometimes the same day, sometimes within a few hours, where we have new data, where we have new insights. And that has actually been very different from the kind of traditional academic route that I've taken, whether that was at Harvard or Emory or before over the last 10 years, where we would publish a paper or a book chapter or be involved in a research study that would sometimes take months to plan, months or years to carry out, and then months or years to publish and write up. So it's much more, the startup space working with brain power has been much more dynamic, much more intense at times, sometimes almost as intense as my internship in, in the various fields. So, but it's been incredibly useful for me to be able to think on my feet, pivot as we need to, think about strategy and think about ways that we're going to help these children and families to really obtain these uh, crucial life skills that they need. Absolutely love that. And I'm glad that you shared that, you know, you still work 40 hours or about 40 hours clinically. I think it's so important for, you know, the physician listeners or the med students, you know, or the residents thinking about entrepreneurship. I think it gives you a really incredible opportunity to take in those insights that you're seeing on the front lines and really apply them into the entrepreneurial space. Can you talk about some of the, you know, it sounds like you're moving quick, lots going on at brain power. Can you talk about some of the insights that you guys are seeing? I know you're working in a really incredible space and with kids with autism. How is it changing their life? How is the Google you know, Glass and the programs that you're developing? How does the system work to really help them you know, better equip them for life skills and, and, and other things that you guys are working on? I think we have several different divisions at BrainPower, several different areas in terms of research, educational, clinical, strategic, our engineering and coding teams. One of the really important focuses that we like to think about at BrainPower is the fact that we need to listen to families and people with autism directly. And when you listen to them, you are listening for, to understand their needs. So essentially, you're understanding what the consumer, the people with autism want, what their families want. And one of the examples is, for example, wandering. So 50% of children with autism tend to wander and can get themselves into really dangerous predicaments. But the current way that our educational, social, and health systems are geared up, no one's really studying wandering as a, as a problem. It's not a medical outcome. It's not an educational outcome. And it's not being focused on. So when we listen to families, we're identifying issues that they have on a day-to-day -day basis. And that helps to guide the product that we're creating for them. We are not focusing on classical outcomes unless they make sense in the context of what the families need and want. Part of our work focuses on obtaining data. So data can really drive a lot of our understanding of any kind of behavioral condition. So by obtaining data through wearable devices, through their sensors, we can obtain 
quantitative reports about people's progress, whether that's in a school setting, in a therapeutic setting, whether that's using our own software. And this discrete data can really give us some very useful insight into how things are going, and those insights can then lead to action in the different settings. So brain power, really, we're seeing that children are able to wear and use these devices. They're already extremely competent in using smartphones, tablets, and things like that. But the real utility of a smart glass type device is that, first of all, it's, 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 on, your, it's on your head. So you're getting an instant augmented reality experience through our software. You're also heads up as opposed to being completely immersed and isolated in a smartphone. Uh, as, as you know, Gregory, a lot of children with autism, they struggle with socialization. And we want to be able to give them an enjoyable social experience through the use of these technologies. So keeping them heads up and engaging with their family members is actually extremely useful compared to being isolated, heads down, and immersed in an app or a game on a tablet. Secondly, smart glass devices, our system in particular, keeps children hands-free. They're not holding a tablet or a smartphone in a corner. Their hands are available to them to learn skills, to hug, to high-five, to do whatever they want with the people around them. And when we think about the healthcare system in general, it's really not serving the needs of these children. The healthcare system, the educational system, there's just simply not enough human providers to be able to give them the appropriate education, the appropriate therapy as they need to, as they need to have. So really, this piece of technology allows us a great deal of scalability. It allows parents or children with autism or adults with autism to use this technology on demand and the privacy of their own homes. And none of our other systems can really do that for them. So it's really addressing these, these huge kind of chasms in care that we have between all these different systems because autism, people with autism have needs to transcend all these different boundaries that we have, healthcare, educational, and social. And it allows them to empower themselves, teach themselves these crucial life skills. What an incredible system. One of the things that I think healthcare is moving more towards is personalization. On this you know, system that you guys are developing, each you know, child with autism is very different. How do you see some of the abilities of the application in the system to really individualize the approach you know, in the home, with the family, really to help that particular child succeed and learn these incredibly important life skills? No, I think you, you hit on a very fundamental point. Each of these children has a very unique brain, has a very unique learning style, very unique behavior, even though they're all classified under this huge umbrella term that is autism. So one of the ways that we look at this is by making our software extremely customizable. So if a child really enjoys railway stations or trains or airplanes or dogs or cats or TVs, whatever those things' interest points are, we can accommodate those into the software when they're having this unique gaming and educational experience. So it's extremely customizable initially for the child or the, or the family that's using it, but it starts to become hyper-customizable as the child uses the technology as the system learns what interests the child, how the child engages. And through obtaining this data, one of our approaches is to use large data sets 
to really reveal new insights. So by using big data, for example, we can detect that a child is more likely to have problems in terms of their mood or their behavior if they're in a vicinity of a particular train station. The sound, the noise, the sensory overload can cause problems for that child. And by crowdsourcing, by using big data, we could potentially use and have an alert for people who are using the device in that vicinity to say, hey, this is often a problem point for many people with autism. And it's really leveraging big data, machine learning, machine vision to help us to create this very complicated backend that's very uh, robust, but is also very friendly and usable for each individual child. So it's a game-like experience on the actual usability end. So no, it's extremely important. It has to be customized. Every child is very different and it has to be able to learn and meet the needs of the child as they use the system, as they are growing older and growing along the kind of developmental trajectory. So, you know, so you're absolutely right. And that's something that we take extremely seriously and get a lot of feedback from children, people with autism and their families. Incredibly cutting edge. And, you know, many physicians will be excited. I think the, the big future is prescribing app, you know, wearable technologies to really, you know, help our ability to, to individualize our approach. What is maybe the biggest lesson learned, you know, at BrainPower as far as some of the insights that you guys have gained from your initial work? Yeah, I think that one of the things is really listening to what families are saying and what people are saying directly. And also when somebody is doubtful whether something can work, because we've obviously engaged with lots of very high-end and knowledgeable people in the awesome space, in the technology space, and it's really testing out your approach. One of the early questions was, can children with autism use this type of technology? Can they wear it? Will they break it? And there was a lot of concern whether that would potentially happen. But in reality, we had 200 children go through our beta test program, and we, we haven't lost a single device. So one of our kind of points is, it's, it's almost lean, lean startup. It's like, put your idea to the test, see how it works out, and very quickly generate data, pivot, and keep going around this, around this cycle. Obtain advice from people, but also bear in mind that you're doing something innovative. If nobody's done it before, and, and with us, we're the first people that are trying out this approach. If nobody's done it before, it's very difficult to know exactly what will work or what won't work until you put it into practice in a safe and reasonable way. And suddenly you discover that children almost don't want to take it off. They keep practicing with it. They really enjoy it. And their families are giving us so much positive feedback. So that would be my advice. Listen to the people who you're attempting to serve. Obtain information and guidance from you know, key figures in all the different fields that are at the intersection of what you're doing. But also bear in mind that ultimately, big discoveries aren't necessarily made by people who aren't willing to take risks. Incredible, incredible entrepreneurial advice. I think you've just got to get out there and try it. And you shared a really wonderful lesson. So I want to shift into our not our typical hospital rounds. So these are business rounds. What is the best advice that you've ever been given? My best advice? Well, I, I get given a lot of advice and a lot of it's actually very good. So, <laughs> so trying to think about it. I think that one of the things I've learned over time is that 
I really need to have very strong and supportive people around me. Because there was a point, there have been points in my life where I've just been very gung-ho and attempting to do everything myself. And, you know, that's only sometimes partially successful because you do rely on different people's opinions, different people's skill sets, different people's insights. So really having very reliable and skilled people around you is very important. And I find that particularly important in the, obviously within our clinical settings, because we have to rely on our fellow physicians and nursing staff and other clinicians, but also in the startup space, because sometimes things can get difficult. Sometimes you have multiple different deadlines. You have to, you know, really step your game up when you're interacting with, you know, huge organizations. For example, we just met with Tom Insull at, at Google, and you're, you have to make sure that you are knowledgeable about what you're doing. You fulfill all the different kind of tasks given to you. And sometimes you do need the support of people around you. So having a really strong team that's reliable, robust, and I mean, some of our team members are extraordinary, which, you know, has been a real blessing for some of the things that we're doing. So that would be, that's probably my, my best, best advice is surrounding yourself with really top-notch people and you can weather the storms much better that way. That's really great. I think when you look at some of these incredible, you know, companies like yourself, it's the individuals behind it and the mission. And when you just have such incredible people all kind of going, you know, towards the same mission or goal, I think it makes it much easier than the, uh, the lonely journey by yourself. One of my favorite questions, do you have a habit that's, you know, you do on a daily basis or you know, some sort of success routine that you think is attributed to some of your success? So, yeah, I think I do. I think I do. I tend to, so I tend to, uh, I tend to exercise every day. So I tend to do some type of exercise, even if I've done, for example, a 16 hour shift somewhere clinically, and I've answered some of my emails and done some of the work for brain power, I will try and do some kind of physical activity uh, to kind of keep myself in shape and to kind of de-stress. I also have a, sometimes have to have a very regimented diet almost, because in some of, some of the settings I work in, for example, some of the clinical settings, I'm really unsure when I'm actually going to get real food. So I tend to carry around a whole bunch of different kind of protein shakes in my bag and uh, different types of snacks. So I know that literally in my bag, I can survive two days with the food in my bag. So I'm not worrying or overeating or binging in the, in the clinical settings. So I tend, it tends to be a combination of kind of keeping healthy and exercising and also having kind of regular smaller meals throughout the day and making sure I don't starve to death. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it, it's unfortunate some of the healthcare settings don't have better food, you know, so it's, uh, it's nice that you bring your own goodies and treats and, uh, you know, exercise, I think, especially even when you're, you're grinding, whether it's clinically or in the startup world is so important. Shifting to our last section, going back more into the healthcare space, what are some of the most exciting healthcare trends, not only in the future of psychiatry, but you know, in the wearable space, or what in general are you most excited about? So I think that obviously we're seeing huge developments in terms of people coming in with big data solutions, people coming in with wearable technologies or increasingly much more discreet, invisible or clothing-related technologies to monitor different kind of behaviors. I think that I'm very excited that our patients are kind of becoming more empowered in some ways in terms of obtaining their data and engaging with the health system. 
I think that we're going to see telemedicine, telehealth, telepsychiatry, these avenues grow exponentially over the next uh, few years. And that's really useful because we face such tremendous challenges in terms of access, scalability, and demand, especially in the kind of rural settings or in several different types of states that are far from the coast, for example. They're really underserved. So I'm really excited about that. One of my particular interests is actually neurotechnologies. And, you know, when I think about psychiatry, I think we're going to have some pretty radical technologies that are going to be developed to treat, help diagnose and treat psychiatric disorders. And I very much think about psychiatric disorders as being brain-related disorders. I know there's a whole bunch of different work being done at different sites in the U.S., some funded by government initiatives, some funded by DARPA. And we will understand the brain and treat brain disorders in a much more scientific way in the future. The whole healthcare space in terms of investment is very hot at the moment. I look forward to actually seeing evidence and more kind of data about what companies are doing. I think we oftentimes hear that, you know, company X or company Y has developed this radical or revolutionary system that's going to really transform healthcare. But sometimes I think they come up a little bit short in terms of actually showing us some data or some evidence as to what they're doing and how that impacts patients, or I should say more broadly, our consumers, because they're only patients when they're in our hospitals or clinics. Yeah, so I think there's lots of really exciting things happening in the healthcare space. I really want to see a little bit more evidence from these companies in terms of what they're doing. I think all the difficulties that happened with Theranos, for example, has made people much more apprehensive in terms of just accepting descriptions or reassurances of, of a company. It's very exciting. I think when the technologies, all the wearables, you know, the payment models all come together and we really, you know, build some evidence around some of these incredible, exciting solutions. I think the future is bright. An absolute honor, Arsha, to have you from BrainPower. Incredibly excited about your work and uh, wishing you guys all the best success on your journey. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, Gregory. A pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.